0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at FilmSchoolRadio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. More than 50,000 local interpreters helped protect U.S. troops on the ground during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, enabling the soldiers to communicate with the local population. But those who took the job were often considered traitors in their own countries. From acclaimed filmmakers of Gaucho del Norte, Andres Caballero, and Sofian Khan, comes a new documentary called The Interpreters, making its world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival on Saturday, May 26th. The film tells the story of three interpreters woven together over the course of two years, following them as they struggle for safety in the aftermath of war and an attempt to rebuild their own lives. We're joined today by the co-directors of the film, The Interpreters, and that would be, as I said, Andres Caviero and Sofiane Kahn. Gentlemen, welcome to Film School. Well, thanks,
1: Mike. Good to be with you.
0: Thank you so much for being here. This is a this is a wonderful film um, for a lot of reasons. I think not the least of which is it's shining a light on something that gets very little attention in terms of our military incursions into countries and the impact it has on those countries as well as the impact it has on the lives of the soldiers who are waging our wars. Um, but let's start at the beginning because I, this is a, this is a, a story I heard about a, a while ago, but have rarely heard it actually discussed in any detail in news and uh, sort of reporting on the war. Tell me how you, Andres, or Sophia, uh, whatever, jump in as needed uh, to tell us where you came to this story. I'll start with you, Andres.
1: Sure. Um, So this story I first came across while producing a series for uh, an NPR-distributed show called StoryCorps, and it's based in New York City and uh, they hired me to do, to help produce the Military Voices Initiative. And um, one of these episodes uh, involved Philip Morris, who is one of the main characters in the film, um, who becomes friends with a U.S. soldier, Sergeant Braun. Um, and then, you know, that's when, you know, I spoke to Soph and we thought that this had the potential for a visual story as well. And then um, we started following and, and filming with Philip um, and so that's sort of how we, we got into the, the topic. But as you mentioned, this isn't a you know uh, news-breaking sort of story. This has been uh, on the headlines for many years. This has been also a problem for, for many years, uh, the fact that many interpreters were promised visas and uh, most of them are still out there trying to get to safety. And so this, this film really serves as a, as a re-examination into the, this ongoing issue and really bringing about the question of, of what is our moral responsibility uh, to these people who believed in our mission, uh, maybe even more than many many of us did, or, or soldiers. And one thing to clarify, too, it's, it's not a direct critique of the wars or right. whether or not they were legitimate. It's right. really focusing on this group of individuals uh, and their families and how they're trying to rebuild their lives in the aftermath of these wars.
0: Right, that's a great point to make. It is. It is a very intimate story, while it does shine a light on a on a larger story. And um, so, if you your your understanding before you started the filming of of uh, the interpreters, what did you understand? Is this pretty much reflective of what Andres was talking about, or did you have a, a certain a different sort of take on what was happening there?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's it's something that as you said, it kind of pops up in the news and you read a little blurb about it, but you don't really get too much more information or a sense of who these guys are. It um, just so happened that a, a friend of mine who I, um, you know, used to, used to work with, who's an artist actually, came from an Afghan background, and he um, was hired as a, as a contractor to go to Afghanistan and work as an interpreter. Um, So that was someone who wasn't a local national. He was a US citizen. So it was quite a different experience. They're very well paid. And that was my only exposure personally, someone that I knew who had been involved as an interpreter. But of course, the experience of the local nationals, the people who are in either Afghanistan or Iraq who are hired is very different.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: And that was something that we, of course, explored in in great detail, um, obviously living under threat. Um, and then being unable to get the visas that they're um, you know basically eligible for after a certain period of service
0: right well in the film there isn't they um, you draw in some history uh, of other wars, including the war in Vietnam, which people often don't th- well they don 't think about this as an issue first of all, but secondly the the, the uh, extreme amount of risk that these interpreters take in terms of what they're doing and in vietnam it was the case that many of the the people who were seen as collaborating with the united states and that's how a lot of a lot of the time these people are looked at as collaborators and traitors so uh th- this is not something that Anyone who who undertakes this takes lightly. I'm sure that they have a pretty good understanding going into this, how a lot of people are going to interpret their behavior and their actions. But we go, in the film, in the interpreters, you go back to the Vietnam era war, and I'm sure over the course of the many wars that the United States has been in, we have relied on locals to help us in very much the same way. So this is, well, this is about wars that we... Theoretically, are winding down from this is always going to be a a, a part, a component part of any time we decide to uh, uh, use military action in another country, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's, you know sometimes you know we can draw these parallels uh, you know back to other moments in history. Um, Obviously, you know Vietnam and uh, Iraq, Afghanistan are not exactly the same. They they differ, and you know also decades after, but um, it's always important to kind of remember, remember um, how a similar issue was dealt with um, back in, you know, during the, the Vietnam War, yeah. what, what's, what's different now and how it is, uh, what mechanism can can be put in place in order to address this issue of, of the people that we're putting at risk.
0: Right. Yeah, the, the main distinction in the film that the, the film makes is that Vietnam there was a certain hubris on the part of the United States. We never really considered that we might have to leave there uh, in the way that we did, the withdrawal from Saigon and, the, and how, how that played out. But it was, as you point out in the film, there was the actions of uh, many Americans who saw what this threat presented to the people who had been helping us with with that uh, effort. And uh, there was no plan in your in this film, in the interpreters, there is a there is a, a pathway for people to get out of the countries they're in if they choose to and come here to the United States, and that's a lot of the film. And I don't want to give any more away than that, uh, in, unless you want to talk about it. But there is that that there's a difference in there's a big distinction between the two efforts. Um, so absolutely, yeah. Um, One
2: is laden with a lot of red tape. That's what we have now. And that moment in Vietnam was sort of like a very improvised moment of heroism, but also, as you said, um, kind of a, a chaotic yeah. um, withdrawal because really we were in denial yeah. of, of what was happening.
0: We had, quote-unquote, never lost a war before, and uh, this one we we clearly... We're not the victors in Vietnam. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. So, well, I, let's talk about these different individuals. Uh Sofiana, let's talk about how, uh, you know, Philip Morris, uh, Malik, and uh, if I butcher this, mod Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. How you came to know them, and they each have very specific and, and unique stories, uh, again, without giving away the whole film. Let's talk a little bit about Philip Morris to start. Yeah. So, if you sure. the- well,
2: as uh, Andre said, you know he he encountered Philip yeah. and Paul through the uh, radio piece that he was doing, um, and we started filming with them very quickly um, because it was clear that you know in in Philip's case, um, his while he was in the United States and uh, had was on the pathway to you know well he had his. Special immigrant visa. This visa that they're given is called the SIV mm-hmm. or special immigrant visa. Um, there were some issues with his family um, visa. So the interpreters are, are eligible for this, are able to bring their immediate family with them. Mm-hmm. But that had not happened for him. So when we met him, he was trying to figure that out and would have to, was going to have to make a journey back to Iraq in order to figure that out, which was quite dangerous. Quite so dangerous. So that was the most challenging him.
0: Yeah. Quite dangerous I'm sorry to interrupt sorry. Yeah,
2: yeah And then so But but, in, in a certain sense Philip's story was more of a success story Or at least it had uh, He had a lot of advantages with having um, You know a, An American veteran Who was not only his friend But really an advocate for him And was helping him through this process To cut through the red tape And we realized really quickly that You know If this was going to be a film About the interpreters that we were also going to have to explore the other side of that coin, which is um, the guys who are still in hiding, who are in in their um, in their home countries and and trying to get out, um, and that that was a really crucial part of the experience because it was kind of I mean it's hard to say exactly whether that's the majority experience or not. The statistics are you know there's a lot of people still waiting for the process. Also, right. the Iraq visas um, have a, a visa program is actually. Um, stopped in 2014, so there are people who who certainly were eligible but who didn't make it, um, and there are a lot of people who were in a lot of danger, and of course there were those who died, um, who were killed. Um, so we felt that we had to reach out and explore that other side, and I think Andres, you can talk a little bit about how that process
0: happened. Right, Andres. Before we yeah. before we get to the, sto- the that part of the story, I just want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with. Andres Caballero and Sofiane Kahn, and they're the directors of a documentary called The Interpreters, which will be premiering at the Telluride Film Festival. And I believe that is, I think I said May 26th, uh, coming up this, yeah. uh, and uh, screening again on the 29th, uh, I believe. Uh, 28th. 28th, pardon me. At the Telluride Film Festival, one of the premier film festivals in, uh, in the world, and uh, congratulations for that inclusion. Into that film festival um so you continue the story because we have Malik and uh Mushtapa as well to talk about and they're they're uh, you're right they illuminate a very particular specific part of this of this saga um if you if you would
2: sure
1: um so you know as as uh Sofian mentioned that you know following philip uh and just his story only um wouldn't be enough for being able to tell the sort of more full story of, of these guys' these experience and the struggle that these interpreters are, are going through to get to safety. Um, and that's when the film opened up to um, going to capture the stories of someone who's hiding in Afghanistan, uh, who is a target of either Taliban or other uh, extremist insurgents over there and so that's that's what took us to Kabul, where we spent about 20 days um, really speaking with different uh, interpreters um, who were all in, pretty much in hiding, who, were, who have been waiting, some of them, for more than five years uh, for the special immigrant visa. Um, and then after that, we also found out about cases of other interpreters who had already left because they just felt they, they could no longer wait. Um, one of them was uh, our other character, Mustafa, who ends up uh, going to Turkey and attempting to cross the Aegean as a, as a refugee uh, with his family, um, with the help of smugglers. Yeah. And sort of, you know, th- these are the three journeys that sort of drive this this narrative and are interweaved throughout the film.
0: Well, it, I think that without saying too much, I think Mustafa's uh, story is, is the... Uh, is the whipsaw of uh, of emotion and um, and how things can go badly for uh, yeah. for these interpreters and um, these are all like I, I think you found three excellent story lines to pursue um, and I don't mean that in a you know in a joyful way I just mean that these are you as you said mm-hmm. these are un- illuminating they really do bring ho- home. The the challenges of all of these men, and all of them had families. It, so it isn't a matter of them by themselves getting this, you know, doing this and then getting, taking care of these visas or something. There are other, the, the ripple effect is, it can be uh, very, very dangerous for these people.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, tell, and, go ahead. Yeah. Please.
2: No, I was just saying also just um, obviously Malik has. Uh, Experience with his, you know, the danger that he also ended up, yeah, you know, his uh, brother being uh, mistaken for him, and that kind of danger that yeah. kind of ripples out from, you know, these interpreters and the people around them who obviously face some of the same kinds of, uh, you know, threats.
0: And and I think one of the things that the film shows, the interpreters shows very well, is. And this is true, I think we lose sight of this in, in America. These people are from villages, more or less. Most of the most of these people who live in these countries, these are large, predominantly rural. There are just a couple of big cities in Iraq, probably more so in Iraq and less so in Afghanistan, where you have Kabul and Kandahar and a few others. But most of these people live in villages. And in this environment, everyone knows everything about everybody, more or less. Right. It's not yeah. easy to disguise or hide what you're doing in villages like this. So in addition, if you had the sort of the the luxury of blending in with a lot of other people, that wouldn't be quite the same level of danger. But that's not the case for these people. These people are really right. hiding in plain sight. And if someone chooses yeah. to ex- ex- exact some sort of revenge for some wrong that has nothing whatsoever to do with this... It would be very easy to do, and we, we knew know that from the early part of our in, invasion in Afghanistan. All the people, or a lot of the people, who were rounded up and who ended up in Guantanamo were often times just uh, someone seeking to exact revenge for something that had that had nothing to do with what was happening mm-hmm. in the war in Afghanistan. So there's many, many examples of the danger involved here for these men.
1: Absolutely. And one thing that, that we also, you know, we, we came across was, you know, a lot of these interpreters, obviously, um, who are from more remote areas of the country, um, and like you said, some, so many are from villages, um, in order to, to, you know, avoid being targeted that easily, they move to Kabul, which is the biggest city, and, and at least they sort of, they, it's easier to hide there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that as security has decayed. Uh, and continues to do so in Kabul. Um, you know, these guys are now, you know, they're in the outskirts of Kabul. You know, even if you drive already a couple of hours out, you can encounter, um, you know, Taliban presence. Yeah. And so, um, and the, 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 the security just keeps going, you know, getting more, uh, and more, uh, you know, inten- the, the issue becomes more intense for these people. Um, right. and, and there, there are less places
0: to hide, you know, at right. time. Continues to pass, well, right? And also, uh, it's as you point out in the film. Um, I think it was Malik who, or it was maybe Philip Morris, had to go through a hundred checkpoints at one point to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in and of itself, it, that in and of itself, that fact alone is just beyond frightening because you never know who you're rolling up on and and what mm-hmm. they what they. And also, the other part of it is yes, they can go to Kabul, but they are leaving their family. Vulnerable when they do that as well. So, th- th- this yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, you hear stories about there were some other interpreters who, you know, we filmed with quite a lot of other people who aren't necessarily in the film. Yeah. But um, you hear about um, sort of like this graffiti that's put on the, their family homes that says, you know, these are collaborators, right? These are coffer, you know, infidels, and um, that, and and just these really horrible stories of kind of the way in which that you know affects the extended family, even though they themselves maybe fled with their, you know, wife and children to Kabul, this sort of like ripple effect that you were talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, um, just get diving into sort of the logistics of the film, uh, looking at the credits, uh, it seems that uh, the, the two of you sort of wore many hats, um, as as is the case with uh, most documentary films. No, no one, I, I doubt there are very many documentary films where everyone had an assignment and they stuck to it. So you, you both did a lot of shooting, you did, did some editing. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Sylvain, sort of, you know, what was this, the multitasking that you were you were a part of in, in making the film?
2: Yeah, so I mean, uh, so I was the cinematographer, so I was shooting. Um, Andres was doing sound a lot, so that was our sort of like production mode. Um, and then, of course, we we're co-directors, so we're kind of doing also co-producing in the field and so there's a lot of um you know of that kind of back and forth over creative and then also over logistics over kind of the direction overall of the film so that's going on and then um you know we were also editing but Andres's brother Fabian yeah. uh, was uh, one of our key editors working with um, Francisco Bayo as well so those two guys really picked up um, you know, and took us to another level, as far as the actual editing process went, yeah. but of course, we were all involved, so that yeah. was kind of a, a really great process that well,
0: we, well Andres, you obviously had to go back and forth between Afghanistan and Iraq, flying in and out of there i don 't know how many times you went to Iraq and how many times you went to Afghanistan but describe for our audience just the sort of the logistics of getting to something as remote and as dangerous as those two countries are now but also your sense of you had to have someone in both of those places so when you got there you knew you were arriving in some some level of safety when you got there talk talk about just sort of the the logistics of going back and forth between these 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 different countries
1: Sure, and, and just to clarify, you know, we, we spent, uh, you know, we did a couple of trips to Afghanistan, um, just, and, but we did not actually make it to Iraq because of the all the bureaucratic hurdles no. uh, of, of getting the visa. Um, initially, uh, even though it was, you know, it, it was in our instinct to just say, okay, we're going to go to Iraq um, to keep following uh, Philip Morris, um the decision not to do so was because of security. Um, he had to do this, this trip, this journey, um, from Basra in the south to to Baghdad. Um, at that time, ISIS was taking over control of different uh, land in, in that region. Yeah. So, you know, he we, the last thing we, we should have done is be with Philip dur- during that journey. We could have endangered him. So instead we gave him some uh, cameras uh, without uh, playback capability. Um, and just told him to to you know sure. uh, film as much as possible, yeah. and then you know with the intentions of using and interweaving that uh, home footage, if you will, of his into the to the narrative of the film, um, which is is there. And, and you know when you watch the film, uh, you come across it. Yeah. Um, and so most of the Iraq stuff was you know filmed by by him or his family. Um, Afghanistan, we spent uh, twenty one days or so of production there. And the logistics obviously had to be tight. Um, you know, now security is, is really a huge concern. It is uh, not advised, uh, if you look foreigner at all, uh, to even walk around Kabul. Um, and so obviously things deteriorated even more and faster uh, as the, the U.S. troops and uh, NATO troops began to pull out. And so, um, you know, we, we were able to work with some great people on the ground. Uh, translator we hired. We had a, a driver. Um, we stayed at a secure place, um, uh, and and you know that had all the safety measures, at least relatively so, uh, in order to you know to to prevent or uh, you know uh, have a, at least a plan if, if something happens. But Kabul is one of those places where you just don't you know something. Everything is okay until just suddenly something happens, and it's it's almost like being you know at, at the Uh, wrong place at the wrong time uh, or at the at the mercy of luck or or god or whatever you want to you want to call it um so but you know that was tough and obviously with that comes also uh you know spending money in order to to take these safety measures um which i think is a a, certainly a a good investment in in these scenarios and you know we were lucky and and blessed to have funding from different organizations um starting uh, with the macarthur foundation um, and that's with that funding, we were able to go to Afghanistan and, and do it in, in the
0: safest way possible. Well, that, yeah, that congratulations on you know on the film. First of all, it really is a, a, a an excellent documentary, and I think with these stories, you've really told the right stories. You've you've, you've given the audience an opportunity to see a spectrum of stories, and I'm tempted to ask about a, the fate of a couple of these people, but I won't because I want people to know as much as I do at this point about the interpreters. And for people who want to find out more about the film, there's a website. How, I, it's not, it's, it's a, it looks like the beginnings of a website. Uh, how can people find out more about the film?
1: Uh, we're, right now we are also revamping uh, the website. Actually, this week the new one is, is going to go out. So, um, uh, and then also, um, uh, I don't know. So, was there any other way you recommend for people?
0: We are Facebook. Well,
1: I
2: think yeah, just um, interpreterdoc.com okay. is where the you know all of our info or teaser trailers up there. At, at the will we'll be up there yeah. in the Facebook page. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're, you're, there's a Facebook page right, as well.
0: Okay, and also uh, Interpreter's Doc. Is that what you said? I'm, I make sure, I I have it written yeah, down. In, I'm sorry. In
2: Interpreter Doc. That's right. Dot Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, well, uh, are you? I assume you're going to be a Telluride for for the uh, opening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be there, and then also um, Philip Morris and Sergeant Paul Brown will be there with another interpreter. Uh, also from Iraq who's not featured in the film but uh, yeah. he also made it to safety uh, about a year ago
0: fantastic and a tip of the hat to uh, to uh, Ron for his his work and his advocacy and his humanity and his family's humanity and I know that uh uh, that, that that they're special people for what they have been doing for Philip Morris. And there are others in the country who, who have taken it upon themselves, despite what is, it, what is an increasingly difficult environment for people coming into this country, especially from countries like Ar- Iraq and Afghanistan. It's good to see the humanity that people can extend to one another across some very difficult and challenging situations. So... Uh, Congratulations to both of you. I'm uh, I i I'm sure coming in, I'd tell you, right, you're, uh, you're going to see more success for the film. And it, it's a story that's uh, well told and a story that needs to be told, and people need to know more about this. And uh, my congratulations to both of you, the, the co-directors of the film, the interpreters, Andres Caballero and Sofiane Kahn. Thank you so much for finding time to come here on Film School. Thank, thank you. you, Mike.